Chapter Eighteen of Some Haunted Houses of England and Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Some Haunted Houses of England and Wales by Elliot O'Donnell. Chapter Eighteen. Park House, Westminster. The Cavalier's Ghost. Technical form of apparition phantasm of the dead source of authenticity miscellaneous collection of ghost stories by baxter wesley and simpson cause of haunting murder the following story is told ad verbum in the language of the eyewitness the quaintness of his style being accounted for by the period in which he lived i was always a very strong-minded man and until the time about which i am going to speak always ridiculed the idea of ghosts you must know that about two years ago i went to lodge at an ancient house in westminster where nothing remarkable happened to me for about three months and then on a night in november too well do i remember it i saw such an appalling sight as i never before beheld even were i starving to-morrow I would not again enter that room. No, not for a thousand pounds. I had been to the theatre, and on my way home had drunk a single pint of porter, so that no doubt of my sobriety can exist for a moment. My room was on the second story of a house that I should suppose had weathered well nigh four hundred years, and was in former days an isolated habitation the room surrounded by a wainscoting of oak to the height of five feet was very lofty and even in the lightest days owing to the narrowness of the windows was extremely gloomy as i said before i returned from the theatre and the snuff of the candle which i had extinguished on getting into bed had not ceased to emit its disagreeable effluvia when i beheld my blood freezes when i think of it a young man dressed in the habit of days gone by gliding through the wainscoting on the opposite side of the apartment to where i lay i was completely paralyzed trembled violently in every limb and the perspiration fell in torrents from my brows i felt for some time as if every nerve was cut asunder and every sense benumbed i exerted myself to speak but in vain my tongue cleaved to the roof of my mouth and i was obliged to remain a horror-stricken and inactive spectator of the scene before me the apparition remained for nearly ten minutes which was ample time for me to convince myself that it was no idle chimera of a diseased imagination that stood before me yet although it remained so long a time i could not command sufficient resolution to challenge it or summon any one to my aid for i felt as though deprived of all energy and in fact i was so during the whole time of its visit though my sense of perception and consciousness were painfully acute the expression of the countenance was peculiarly mild and the rich dark locks falling about the forehead and shoulders and the mustachios of the same hue showed in horrid relief against the ashy chilling and livid hue of the face he wore a doublet 
of a kind of chocolate color richly embroidered with gold lace full loose breeches of a yellow leather ornamented uniformly with the doublet and from each was suspended a bunch of ribbon adorned with a metal tag reaching down nearly to the broad and drooping tops of his light russet boots a large travelling cloak of dark blue cloth reached from the shoulders down to the heels hanging in full folds over the left arm which was extended towards the fireplace in my apartment while i was gazing on him in stupid astonishment and terror he raised his right hand and lifting from his head his broad sable-feathered hat discovered to my agonizing sight a deep and bloody wound in the centre of the forehead this action he then followed up with sighs and gesticulations which although i could not clearly understand were apparently intended to warn me of some impending danger harrowing as the sight was to my feelings it was a mere nothing to what i suffered when i beheld him advance slowly and almost imperceptibly towards the spot where i lay and fixing his dark piercing gaze upon me for nearly a minute hold me in a more painful and horrid inactivity than that in which the basilisk is said to hold its victim although i knew from the expression in his eyes he wished me to speak and much as i desired to hear from him some of the mysteries attached to the superphysical world i could not articulate a sound a phenomenon which i have since learned invariably happens to psychists at the crucial moment at length he retired towards the wainscot and raising both his hands in the attitude of prayer remained apparently wrapped in deep contemplation for nearly three minutes and then suddenly disappeared sinking into the floor at the bottom of the wainscoting as you may very well suppose i did not close my eyes again that night but as soon as it was light i proceeded to my landlord's room roused him and demanded to settle my account for i determined in my own mind never to re-enter the house which was visited in so superhuman a manner with astonishment in his countenance he received the amount of my rent at the same time inquiring what had caused this sudden aversion to my apartment i answered evasively and as i left him i thought i observed a kind of lurking consciousness of something wrong in his countenance which led me to surmise he was fully aware of the mysterious visits of the apparition and so it proved in the end for happening to meet him one day in the park i inveigled him into confessing that it was reported in the neighbourhood that the house and particularly the room in which i slept was haunted by the troubled spirit of a young cavalier of king charles the second's days said to have been murdered there and he added during the time he had kept the house no less than nine people had left the apartment on account of the disturbances he had concealed this from me he concluded fearing i might add one more to the list of lodgers scared away by the supernatural vision End of chapter 18. Recording by John Brandon. End of Some Haunted Houses of England and Wales by Elliot O'Donnell.